Hi, I'm Hannah. And I'm Zane, Barbie's substitute for this week. And also who? And Hannah's father. Yes. And, and we, we saved you a spot. spot. That was pretty good, Dad. I'm pretty impressed. Uh, well, I was following your lips. Yeah. I kind of oh. forgot it for a second, but then I, <laughs> I followed you? up. You got to remember, I just woke up like 40 minutes ago. <laughs> I know. I'm I was so like, sleep on the couch. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay. Little little quick um, fill-in for those of you listening. So, poor dad. My mom, um, you know, as most of you know, is in Washington State right now. And last week, she- um, Horrible liberal state. Yes, yes, as dad can attest to. Um, she's there visiting my grandma right now and all that fun stuff. Love grandma. Love grandma. Um, but we had some troubles with her phone, and um, she sounded almost like she had a lisp in last week, week's podcast, and so we were trying to get that audio figured out today, and it just it just wasn't happening, so she suggested dad come and fill in, and we couldn't get a hold of dad, so I called his phone. Mom called, what, your Alexa? No, so mom first texted me, and I heard my phone go off because I was sleeping on the couch because I'd done a almost a ten mile ten mile walk. Because when you're old, you know they say sixty three is the new forty, but nine p.m. is the new midnight. So my new bedtime was at two thirty. So Oof. for a nap anyway, because I am old. But um, did a ten mile a day for a walk, and so I had my phone turn on. I was like. When you're asleep, you're just like, oh, what is that? What is that? And then all of a sudden, I heard the phone going off, and it was, Mom, we need your help. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, so poor Dad. He's, like, exhausted and probably a little dehydrated, if we're being real. But, like, <laughs> so we call it— Or my scratchy throat. Yeah, so we called Dad, and we're like, we really need your help because um, Mom, Mom can't do this. You know, her voice— just it's not her voice even it's just that the processing like that happens with the phone and recording it through the phone it just was not sounding right i thought it sounded fine last week but she said she heard a lisp but i thought she sounded fine but if it if it got worse this week i get it right right absolutely and i, I don't know it almost it, it, it was just we we're having some troubles Right, but we're boring the audience, so let's... Are let's, we? Yeah, I think we are. I don't know. Anyway, so this is my father, um, Zane Guile. Dad, would you like to tell a little bit about yourself, like who you are, how you grew up, all that fun stuff? Oh, so I got to look at mom's notes because, no. you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm forgetting stuff. No, Dad, this is just about you. You don't I need know. mom's I, notes. I get it. I get it. So <laughs> I was uh, born in the, the uh, left state of Oregon. I don't claim that very much. Um, <laughs> if you've ever heard of Astoria, Oregon, uh, Kindergarten Cop was filmed there, The Goonies. It was a very highly used city because of, the, of its backdrop. It's beautiful. For movies in the 80s and 90s. Um, from there, my dad was a military guy, 25 years. We moved all up and down the left coast, lived in California. And then we actually did a almost a four-year stint in a little island called Adak. Yes. Which is 600 miles east of Siberia. We were actually closer to Siberia than we were the U.S. Wait, so you were, I didn't realize it was, so it was not close to Alaska. Like, no, it, like was, it was part of the Aleutian chain. Okay. But, you know, and I guess we would be closer to an island in Alaska, but right. not the mainland. Does right, that right, make right. sense? Yeah. So we were there. This little island of Adak. In fact, there's a program on Netflix where they were trying to find gold. 
that that a pirate had stowed back there in the late 1800s. Okay. So there's like an eight episode deal on Netflix, and it was cool to see because Adak's basically been abandoned as far as a navy base since I think 1987. Oh so, really? Yeah. So anyway. Lived there from when I was in second grade till I was in fourth or fifth. Right. And then we moved back, and then my dad eventually was stationed up in Washington State, and then he retired there in 1975, grew up, went to school there, went to college there, Eastern Washington University. I love that place. If any of you guys that are sports fan, if you look at the Red Field, Ruse Field, that's Eastern Washington University. Um, and you were a decathlete? Yeah, I was a decathlete. I wasn't that great. I what? was okay. I was okay. And you, did, did you play football there too? I did not play football there. I played football at Olympic College. They wanted me to play football there. But? But it, I, I just wasn't having it. Um, oh. Wait, was this your testimony time? Because that was my testimony time no, was college. No, <laughs> no, no. I just, it was, it was a crazy time in my life. You know, my parents weren't the best parents. They were, I love them both. They love me, but. There was a lot. We could go into hours and hours of all the stories of, like, finding my stepdad under the house, talking to the dog, and there was no basement. It was a crawl space. Yeah. Um, dad was married. My father was married five times. My mom was married four times. Um, didn't find out till after they both passed that I was, I'm over half Indian. Yeah. Um, just a lot of crazy things. So joined the Navy in 1985, did 33 years. Uh, 11 deployments, uh, both coasts. Uh, I think I did eight or nine, what they call Westpac, which are Western Pacific deployment cruises. Mm -hmm. And then I did one uh, med cruise. What's a med? Oh, Mediterranean. Yeah, Mediterranean, which basically, it was a lot of Europe, but actually did Christmas Day in 2012 or 2011 in Jerusalem. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Is, is that where my diamond is from? Uh, not from Jerusalem, sorry, not from Jerusalem, but from Haifa, which is north of there. Okay. That's where our ship was actually stationed. Okay. Um, and it, it is a beautiful diamond. Um, it is. They have very high quality diamonds in Israel, so yeah. it was pretty cool. Um, did my last deployment there, then finished my last five and a half years at a, at a place called a float training group where I trained I and six chief petty officers who go out and train other ships all over the East Coast. Uh, Europe and uh, the Middle East. Yeah. And then didn't you spend your last few months in Bahrain? I spent out of the last year that I was in the Navy, I spent about two and a half, almost three months in Bahrain. Yeah. Uh, we got ships turned over to us from the West Coast Navy. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> Sorry, and it was a mess. Also, and they guys, were a mess. real quick side note: if you hear that my dad sounds a little groggy and is like kind of coughing and stuff, it's because his he. We'll we'll talk about this later, but um, he had a track meet and he was shouting a lot. A stay track meet. I, I was shouting a lot, and I usually lose my voice at every track meet. But yeah, that's okay. It's so fun. this is this is his voice recovering. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, and this is three four days later, but yeah, so it is what it is. Three 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 months in Bahrain. Is that what you just said? Yeah, almost three months. Yeah. Which you loved Bahrain, didn't you? Well, at that time of year, believe it or not, you can eat very cheap and we get per diem. So I used that per diem to send home and have on hand. Mm -hmm. It would help mom and I pay off the house quicker, a lot of different things. So, and we worked together on that. Although she would probably differ to say. or <laughs> <laughs> Beg to differ? Yeah, beg to differ, yes. <laughs> um, but uh, 
In fact, I was actually scheduled to go back to Bahrain, but when my uh, office called and said, hey, you need to take this leave or you're going to lose it. Yeah, so you have so many days in the books. Uh And I miscalculated how much time I had to use that leave. They said, you have to use these 30 days or you'll lose them, which basically cut me out of that 30 days in Bahrain. I went on leave. And then on the 21st of June, uh, 2018, uh, I had my official retirement. Yeah. So, and then it was beautiful. It was. It was. Uh, what was nice was our athletic director, David Scott, who just passed here a couple of years ago, mm. loving to death. He uh, talked to me, says, Hey, if you want to have your retirement, we can have it at the school. Because I was trying to get all my athletes and their parents on base, and it's just a nightmare trying to get civilians on base. Right. No, it absolutely is. Yeah. They lose the, you have to give your social security number. You have to show ID. It's a hassle. The list gets lost. You have to send somebody up there. It just, it gets stupid. So we had it at the school in the auditorium, which is huge. It held 500 people. We had over 300 people at the ceremony and then had over 300 people at the reception. It was just beautiful. That reception was so cool. It was. It was cool. It was fun. Got to tell a lot of stories. My athletes got to see the military side of what I did. Yeah. Because um, he's a track coach. <laughs> well, I am a track coach. I've been I've been a track coach. This will be my—I just completed my ninth year. So. Yeah. So do you want to tell about the exciting news? Yeah, it was pretty exciting. I'm, I'm finally slowing down where I can enjoy it. Um, so Friday night, we had already run one districts for girls and guys. It already won regionals. First— region win for our boys, the girls second time in a row. We scored a lot of points early in the shot put, the discus, the javelin, and the pole vault right. to get a pretty big league before the running event started. And we got to stress for the next two and a half hours or three hours. Yeah. And um, our team ended up winning its first state track championship, uh, 53 points over Bell and Jesuit to their 43 but it was pretty stressful. Um, yeah. It was pretty cool. The you kids, looked so happy, Dad. What? <laughs> you looked so happy in the pictures. <laughs> my good friend, Rob Cercelli, who was also our distance coach and my associate head coach, he, he cracks me up. He says stuff at the funniest time. So we're waiting to go out. Right. And he goes, all right, everybody. Let's act like we've been here, <laughs> even though we haven't. You know? <laughs> Let's have some class. Yeah. And uh, there was a little old lady that was four foot nothing. She's working for the UNF, University of North Florida staff, security staff. And she told us on the way out, you just have the nicest team. They're so polite. They really have integrity. They're, they're just, they really carry themselves they're well. They're classy. And yeah, they're very yeah. classy. And Coach Urselli goes, hey, can you say that again to uh, to our AD so he knows? And, and so she, <laughs> re- she repeated it, so it was pretty cool. But it was just, it was a great night of celebration. But, of course, I couldn't celebrate too much because the next morning I had to get ready for our awards banquet, which was a four-hour banquet the, yeah. on Sunday. So it was like I'm now slowing down from that. So it was pretty cool. It's only the second time a St. John's County team has won the state championship in the history of the county. Yeah. And what's funny is most times the Miami schools win it. They can Ugh. recruit freely down there in, in Miami. Yeah. Um, you know, speed is king in Florida, just like it is in California and Texas. 
We didn't have a lot of speed, but I had a, I was very blessed to have some huge throwers who believed in me and believed in themselves. They're really skilled. Yeah, really skilled technically. Some uh, really, really good pole vaulters, uh, a really good hurdler, and some great boys distance 4x8. And our girls 4x8 did really well too. They just weren't in it, but they did. They they placed eighth at state. Some great, just some great kids overall. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. Yeah. Um, I had something to ask you, but it's I, I totally am drawing a blank right now. Well, let me jump in because I want to say one thing. Yeah. So what you didn't know about Hannah, so I actually coached her back in the day. He did. And she was Ponte Vedra High School's first ever girls district champ, district track championship winner. So yeah. she won a district in the, in the uh, discus as a sophomore. Mm-hmm. And I was so proud of her. She, it was a great day. Um, I don't think field events were thought that highly of at the time. Cause I was a volunteer <laughs> coach. They weren't at all. Right. So I and, wish I had the support. I mean, I had it from you, but you also had to go out to see like a lot of times. Right. So I wish I had the support that like your athletes really do get. Cause I remember being told and I won't say who the coach is and he's, <laughs> he's passed now, but I remember being told, and I was the best thrower on our team by like, by far, by like f- almost 40 feet right. in the discus and like a solid, like six feet in the shot put, right. which the shot put is 8.8, 8, 8.8 pounds, 8. four 8. kilos. Yeah. So 8.8 pounds in like, so that's, you know, five five or six feet is a huge distance right. to be ahead of someone. And I was, like, respectful and nice and kind. And I remember a coach literally telling me, even if I could take you to this um, this relay, I would— Invitational. Invitational. I wouldn't take you. And, like, I hadn't asked. Like, I hadn't asked for it. I hadn't done anything. Right. And he just thought, like—so I had asked, do you remember why this happened? <clears throat> I don't remember, quite remember because I was at sea when I yeah. when I heard the news, but I will tell you, those type of situations ensured that I was a better coach for my athletes. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I wanted to say about Hannah is that we had a very good relationship, but we had to have a different relationship when we were throwing. And I'd say, okay, we walk out this door, you're the athlete, I'm the coach, because otherwise too many emotions get involved and it's just, it's hard Yeah. because you're emotional about what you do. I want to be your dad, but when I step the door, I just got to be your coach. Yeah. And I have to separate that. That's, and that's part of one of the hardest things for a, a coach to do for their own kids. Yeah. Do you know the most bittersweet moment I had like ever in my, my throwing career? I bet you I can guess it. Uh-huh. It was a district meet your senior year, and yeah. you were up to qualify. You were the fourth person going into regionals. It was a very competitive district. Yeah. And a girl had run in the relay and hadn't thrown yet, and she came over, had a favorable wind, and beat you by literally— A few inches. Yeah, a few inches to qualify as that fourth person. And she had never threw that far ever, and she right. never, and threw, never that threw that far, that far again. again. Right. And it was so, so devastating. And that was my 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 PR, at least right. on paper. right. And I looked, remember, we looked at the state results, and I would have been, like, fourth or fifth. I think probably sixth, fourth, fifth or sixth. You were right there. I you, was you, right there, though, like, yeah, in you, that competitive. You, yeah, you would have been. The girl that you had beat early in the year actually placed fifth at state. Yes. Yes, exactly. And right. I was like, this is just. Girl from Ridgeview. 
She was a really good thrower though. Yeah. And what was like so hard is like, I was consistently like throwing right around that. Right. And like my technique was great. And you guys see me now and I look like, I'm not a ton bigger, but you know, I'm not a tiny girl, but like in, in high school, I was like 140. Right. I was like 5'8". And these girls were like all over 200 pounds. No. They, like the girl that beat me was like a solid six foot two. I'm not even. She was a, she was a very tall and athletic girl. Yeah, and, like, all the other girls, like, they were large, too. And so, like, here I was, like, looking like a sprinter (laughs) and, like, had really, like, worked on my technique. But Hannah will tell you my athletes now are very—they might be big, but they're very either extremely muscular. All of them are athletic. Yeah, every single one. No matter what what event they do. Right. Because, like, (laughs) we—and what's funny is— If you haven't done track, you probably don't know what this is, but we do this thing or did this thing called the Fat Man's Relay, and I think they call it something more politically correct now. It's the thrower's relay. Okay. Well, we used to call it— And I get that because that's what I had. It was a Fat Man's Relay. That's what they called it. Yeah. So that's what we called it Well, I was in high school. So 10 years ago was not that long ago, but we weren't—we were not nearly as PC. Um, And so what the Fat Man's Relay is is actually the thrower's relay. And so (laughs) because Ponte Vedra, the high school I went to, like, we had— I mean, it's going to sound superficial, but we did have the most slim girls. Okay. Um, who threw? That's, it just, that's not politically incorrect. No, it just is what it is. Like, it, right. it was a nice area. Like, the people there take pride in, like, their looks and things like that and their health. Well, and we, and, we, and we still do that. Our thrower's relay actually ran one of the top times in the state or the nation. We had the top time in the state for the thrower's relay. It was like 47 and some change for the guys. Wow. Yeah. So— you got to remember, so you have to understand that our throwers, so at state, just uh-huh. in the shot put, yeah, the young man who finished second came out of a shell, and not really out of a shell, but he had a five-foot PR, and Hannah will tell you, a five-foot personal record in one meet is just huge. He went from 53 feet to 58 feet. Uh, Jake Guinero, I'll mention his name, he's committed to uh, Coach Harbaugh's Michigan Wolverines. Yeah. And I don't think I'm going to get him for his senior year because I think he's going to graduate early. But he finished second by two and a half inches, but literally beat every other classification. We have 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A. He was second overall out of however many kids that won the state. That's amazing. And and then a kid who I've had for four years, young man, Nathan Leibowitz, who was 150 pounds when I got him. Six he's definitely one. at 150 no, now. He's like 6'4 now and about 230. He's going to Yale. Um, almost 200 feet in the discus. He threw almost 57. And then I had a third young man that's went over 56. That's pretty rare when you have three athletes over 56 feet on a high school team. Yeah. And uh, I have have three vaulters, two over 14, one almost at 14. Those were our strong points. I have a young lady, Bella Montefiore. She, (laughs) she's five foot nothing. Yeah. And I didn't realize she was that small. Oh, she's short. She's short, but she's pretty athletic. Yeah. And she's fast, quick, and she listens and she works hard. But she went almost 120 feet to win the state. In Javelin. Yeah. And then Vinny, all Vinny, uh, Vincent Jackson Jr., all 148 pounds, went almost 190 feet on his first throw. That's incredible. Yeah. But all this to say that the yeah. throwers relay, like when I was in high right. school, we always won right. no and matter that, what. So we actually made that part of the Craig Speziali, our home meet. And I think we've lost it one year out of the out of the nine years we've had it. Yeah, it's it's just how it goes. And it's and I've actually put it to the end of the meet. 
Yeah. Which makes it fun. Well, that's what we always had it was and, the, at and, the end and of we the laugh, meet. And we laugh because I go, everybody wants, wants to see fat people run. It's true, which is funny because, like, nobody on your team is <laughs> No, I know. I know, but but it's just, it's a saying. So it's true. Look at your notes. We got to look at our notes. Oh, yeah. We're getting off track. Mom, we started talking about fun stuff. Mom sent us notes of what to talk about. Oh, you mentioned something on the phone earlier that I thought would be interesting to talk about. What's that? How you might have to eventually go back to work if, like. So I follow a lot of social media, and you hear about the whole digital currency coming That's up. That's terrifying. And. They kind of say it's going to go down where the banks are going to basically say, oh, we've got some problems. We've got to go offline for the weekend. And all of a sudden, your paper money ain't going to be worth nothing. Yeah. And you got to go digital currency. Um, if any advice I give, spend your money in cash. Keep this stuff alive. I know Governor DeSantis has done uh, a lot of things to make sure that we don't have to go to digital currency. I just don't know how that's going to be affected. If it gets passed federally. Right. 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 So I'm a little worried about that because basically my retirement will be worth nothing. Yeah, because you're on a, a pension, right? Right. Yeah. I, my retirement's a pretty good retirement. It's like, I mean, I won't say what you make, but you, no. can I say percentage-wise? Sure. It's like 80% of what you made at the end of your career, right? Yeah. That's correct. and Minus get, like the housing and stipends and things well, like yeah, that. Well, yeah, I right? don't get all that, but it's 82.5% of what I what I got paid when I was active. And then I get VA. I'm 60% VA because my knees are shot. My In your ear. <laughs> In my ear. I get mom or Lizzie or you will talk to me and they're, dad, dad. I'm like, I got this ringing in my ear and that's what it takes over. So Yeah. Is it almost like an overwhelming ringing? When it happens. It happens probably three or four times a week, and it it's pretty serious. It's like it does kind of take over. Yeah, I like I kind of you know like those scenes in the movies where like you hear like somebody like is like getting overwhelmed, and there's a lot of commotion happening around, and then like that buzz starts happening, and like right. it overtakes them. I imagine that's well, it just how it, it drowns is. everything else out. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, okay, there was something. So yeah, the digital currency thing is terrifying. Um, it is, and it's. <laughs> Our government right now, they kind of remind me of uh, Slim Shady. The real Slim Shady? <laughs> yeah, the real Slim Shady. Like Eminem? Yeah, because like, I mean, you think his name Slim Shady. He's shady. Oh, yeah. He's shady. And, and most people in Florida are pretty awake to what? Not woke. Awake, not woke. Awake. <laughs> and, and if you all know what woke means, the conservative definition is Willingly overlooking known evil. Yeah. But that's not what it says for the rest of the world. Yeah. But that's how we look at it. So. No, I, I absolutely, um, I absolutely agree with you. I am. Um, it's just kind of scary too. And I think like, can you imagine if we did have to go completely digital? I, I feel like that kind of foreshadows almost like the mark of the beast a little bit. Well, it bit. is. You, you, you've heard that the Euphrates is almost dried up. And that's one of the last that's one of the signs of the last times Yeah. times. It's literally, if you look at, uh, they were showing video today of how it was 20 years ago and how it is now. Mm -hmm. And they say when it's dry, there's demon angels, you know, they were angels. Oh, I heard about demons. that. Yeah. That would be released. Yeah. Casey actually was telling me about that right. a couple months ago. Right. And it's in the Bible and revelation. Yeah. Also I think, revelation. I think is chapter terrifying. 16, if I remember right. Yeah. So, well, I had a conversation with somebody the other day about the Bible. And like, cause we were having a little bit of a debate and I won't say who it is, 
Sure. But um, just, you know, out of— Your eye rolled, so I think I know who it is. Just out of respect for that person. <laughs> but they were they were kind of talking about, like, just, just different things that were happening that makes it hard for them, you know, kind of—I don't know if to believe in God or, like, to, to go to church or, or what exactly it is. But essentially— they were saying, well, like, do you agree with this? And I was like, well, yeah, it's, you know, it's in the Bible. Like, I I believe everything in the Bible. And they're like, yeah, but what about this, this, this? And they're bringing just all different types of stuff up. And I said, well, you can't really just pick and choose, you know, what you believe in the Bible. And this person says, well, I think you can. And I said, okay, but Revelation says, because you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. Right. And so you can't just believe what you want and what you don't want. So one of the best stories I heard was there was a one guy— on God's side and one man sitting on the fence. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember how it went, but it was like the man sitting on the fence is, well, I'm not sure. And then all of a sudden he died and went to hell. And he goes, why would, I still hadn't decided. I was sitting on the fence and Satan said, I own the fence. Yeah. It's oof. That gave me chills. Yeah. I own the fence. Exactly. So when it talks about God spitting you out, salt without salt, it's like water. You know, water, lukewarm water. Yeah. I mean, colder, I like cold or hot though. Cold but yeah, or hot. exactly. And that you be can't. One or the other, and you and, can't just be in the middle. Right, because the middle Satan's fence. Yeah. Put think of it that way. Absolutely, and you know, Casey and I were actually. Um, talking about this because I finally joined a church for the first time in my life, which, guys, I've always gone to church. I'm not saying like— No, I, but joining takes a certain level, level of commitment. Right. Yeah, commitment. exactly. And it's crazy because I've, you know, like worked at churches many times. I have mm-hmm. played—like I've played piano at church since I was like 13. I've, you know, taught Sunday school, all of this stuff, but I've never actually been a member of a church. So I finally did that um, a couple months ago. Sure. Um, and Casey and I have really just been like super happy about like our relationship with God um, and— really trying to grow closer to him and, you know, just all these different things. Um, but, you know, he sent me a thing about how the closer we get to God, like kind of the more hardship that comes. Cause people think that, you know, when you get closer to God, that everything's just going to be easy. And, no, it's, like, it's actually the opposite. It's way harder. And, um, and, and they talk about in the Bible that the more you're in for Christ, the more you will be attacked. Mm-hmm. So people don't realize what is the one faith that is always attacked. They don't attack, you know, being Muslim. They don't attack being Buddha. They don't attack, you know, Hinduism, any of that. But they attack the you-know-what out of Christianity. And it's the only one where it's accepted to attack. So that should tell you why it's attacked. Well, and then— If it's real, it's going to be attacked. Well, that—and not only that, Dad, but, like, they say, well, well, it's, like, the number one religion in all the world, so, like, how can it be, you know, like, attacked— like, because it can. People because love Satan's it. there attacking it, and he's sending his, he's sending his minions to do that. Yeah. And, I, you know, we think about this. The biggest deal, religions, is different than a relationship with Christ. Absolutely. Religions are religion, is following rules, trying to be a better person. A relationship with Christ is he knows you can't live up to the standard. <laughs> yeah. Okay? He's giving—he let his—he sent Christ 
And Christ took it upon himself to die on the cross, take all our sins, take all that pain, which is why, you know, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. Because God couldn't look at him because Christ had all that sin. He dies and is resurrected, you know, resurrected three days later. Yeah. Noah, nobody else has done that. No, absolutely. Noah, it's a relationship versus a religion. Yeah. And if you understand that, we can't do it without him. No, and it's not our works that get us into no. heaven because without God, like, we're a filthy rag. Right. And so then people will ask me, well, why are you doing this? I said, because that's what God wants us to do. Yeah. So we do things through him and for him yeah. in his name. So when we do those works, we're not doing them for our own glory. We're doing them for his glory. Right. Absolutely. Well, and so that same person that I was talking to the other day, they're like, well, how can you believe that? But you did this. <laughs> and I go, no, that's also a sin. Yeah. And they're like, but you did it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not God. I'm not perfect. Like the goal is to be Christ-like. Right. But, and I said, I said, it's like Paul, right? Who pa used to be Saul. Yeah. Who used, who used to, used to, be to Saul. kill Christians. Yes. And I was like, he says, why do we do the things that we don't want to do? Romans. And don't do the things that essentially we should do. Right, that we need to do. Yeah, and... Why do I keep doing the things I don't want to do and don't do the things that I need to do? Exactly. Right. Right. And and I just think it's just it's just such a testament. And, like, I think when our, our hearts are truly after God, you know, we'll start to be more Christ-like. And obviously we'll fall, fall short all the time. But in, in the Bible it says, because, um, because you love me, you'll do what I command. Right. So it doesn't... You know, it, it doesn't just happen right away and like we're not perfect, but like repetition and doing mm -hmm. it because like it's the right thing to do and doing these good things mm -hmm. because it's it's the right thing to do and it's Christ-like. And then eventually like your heart will follow it and because like your heart, it'll just be like this cyclical thing. Well, and when you do sin and you have the Holy Spirit in you. There's conviction. There, exactly. That was a word I was looking for. Thank you for bringing that up because I was like, how do I say, yeah, I'm not, I'm not condemned, but I'm convicted. Yeah. Holy Spirit convicts you. And that's huge because when it's just you, most times you, ah, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. It's just what I do. Yeah. And versus I'm convicted, I repent, and I, I do my very best through the Holy Spirit to not do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. <laughs> Which is why we have Christ as our Savior. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 is, it is a circle. Yeah. But Absolutely. There's um there's a verse in Romans. Oh gosh, I have to look it up because well, I remember Justin and Tiffany. He Justin used to tell me. He go, you have to die daily for Christ. Die to yourself. Die to self. Live your life for Christ. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Um, oh, it's Romans 10, 9 through 10. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe. Uh that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess, confess you are saved. Um, and then this is my absolute favorite verse. Are you ready for it? Ready. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's awesome. Isn't that great? It is awesome. I love it so much because like we are, like we sin continually. Like that is our human nature. We are born sinning. We are doing what mom has told us she does. We're going down a rabbit hole right now. A little bit. It's a good rabbit hole. It is a good rabbit hole, but it is Memorial Day weekend. Oh, yeah. We should talk about that, too. So, guys, if you ever want to talk about Jesus, 
We're here. Hit us up. <laughs> um, okay. So Memorial Day, mom told me the significance of Memorial Day and kind of a little brief history on it. Which and did she tell you that? She did. So go ahead and I think if she told you what she told me, just say it. Okay. So she good. said that it started to honor those who died as a result of the Civil War. Correct. Um, and then today we honor all American veterans who gave their lives in sacrifice of our nation. Mm-hmm. So that could be that could even be of them dying of like from Agent Orange, right, or something like that. But not just like a not not just a veteran passing, but it had to be as a result of being in the military, right. is what m- Mom explained to me. Mm-hmm. Um, as also, she said that there's five don'ts on Memorial Day. Okay. Did she tell you that? No. Um, okay. So please tell me. <laughs> okay. So the five. <laughs> she continues to enlighten us. Okay, one second. The f- I have to Google it. I'm a little shaky because I had too much caffeine. Well, because I brought it for you. I know. It was- I should have made one for me. <laughs> I'm but so I'm sorry. But I'm awake now, so I'm good. <laughs> okay, it's because we talked about Jesus. There you go. Uh, the five don'ts of Memorial Day. Okay, so the first one, I remember this, uh, was don't wish anyone a happel- happel? Happy, Happy Memorial Day. Memorial yeah, that, Day. And that just sounds stupid. Happy Memorial Day. Yeah. Happy that your friend or your your your... Love, you know, friend, lover, Your loved one, loved one died. Yeah. It's, no, it's what. So, what can you say say instead? Not Happy Memorial Day. Let's put it that no, way. No, I know, <laughs> I know not that. And it's not. And it's not a day to barbecue. You can barbecue, but that's not why we look forward to it. Right. Absolutely. It's, or a it's day in off remembrance work. of yeah. those who died in battle, or died of inflictions, like you talked about, right. Agent Orange or whatever, after returning. Right. Or like even somebody that had what, like, um, like asbestos or something like from like old military housing or something like that. Right. Um, anyway, um, number two was don't thank the current troops because right. that's not. That's, that's Veterans Day. Yep. Yeah. Or Armed Forces Day. Either one works. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a don't disregard its importance. Well, it's very, if you think about it, it's very solemn. It really is. It's not something chipper. It's not something happy. No. Uh, it is something incredibly admirable. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they said at one time, I think the high for those who were active duty, duty military compared to the population was around 7%. Now I think it's around 1.5%. Yeah. Yeah. So It's really low. Um, these, Some of these I feel like are a little bit... Um, obvious, but hey, there's a lot of things that need to be obvious sometimes. This, Some people don't know anything about Memorial Day. That's they just, true. They completely don't have a clue. That's true. Um, the, it says, don't forget that it exists. It says, uh, this article is from, my glasses are not great. <laughs> uh, Didn't you buy them for that reason? Yeah, no, I, I think my eyesight's getting worse. <laughs> it's fine. Well, I was nearsighted for a lot of years. Is that is that what it is when I'm having to look closer? <laughs> And squint? Well, no. Then you're getting farsighted. If you can see close, I think you got what mom's. She was farsighted. I have no idea, but so I you can see far away, but not real close. Well, no, I can't. I can't see anything. I'm well, like. Well, then you got both of our <laughs> deficiencies. Great. Okay, so it says, don't forget that it exists. It says, even worse than allowing the day to become synonymous with deep di- discounts and potato salad, <laughs> is letting it slip from the public's mind completely when it becomes. Simply a high-anticipated extra morning of sleeping in instead of the day of reflection and appreciation it was meant to be. We disrespect our fallen troops. Right. And I think that's really important. And lastly, it says don't let politics keep you from rend- rendering respect. Right. And I think that one is well, especially— Well, because mom talked about that. So 
I talk about there's some presidents I did not respect, but I respected the office. Yep. And it's hard sometimes. Yeah. Because you know what's right and you know what's wrong, but you got to respect the office. Right. And that's, it is what it is. Well, something I feel like is a little bit disrespectful and I don't know how to exactly put it into words, but when... President Biden says that Bo Biden, you know, like died Wait, let's, about that. Like yeah. that to me, I feel like that's disrespectful. Right. Um, but it doesn't exactly tie in with Memorial Day. But I, I think it kind of discounts those that have passed away from. Right. Uh, from being in war. All right. So let's kind of get a little light. We, we're pretty heavy here. You and I are feeling a heavy heart. Let's I want to talk a couple of Navy things because my because mom wanted me to mention these stories. Oh, so okay. so I was deployed over a lot in the Gulf, and there was a place in Jabal Ali. Where's that? Jabal Ali is in United Arab Emirates. Okay, and it's where the ships will come in to get resupplied, pull into port. Trucks and businesses will come to the sand pit. They call it the sand pit. I think I just remember what it was called. And we. A lot of terrorism going on. So we had, I was on USS Camden, and our captain, Mo Joyce, goes, hey, he called all us chiefs up there. I was an officer at the time. He goes, you know, we can't really go on liberty, but, you know, we do need the sides of the ship painted. Why don't we set up the barge on the outside of the ship? We'll paint the ship, and then after 1600, we'll have beer and barbecue on on the barge. Yeah. That way we're not on land. We're still on the ship. We still get all the protection. And we end up nicknaming it because it was Mo Joyce was our CO, commanding officer. We named it Mo's Barge and Grill. Wait, that's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was, we did that for four nights in a row because when you're on deployment that long, you do need some breaks. And it was right. just, it was a good time. It was camaraderie. We did that. That mm-hmm. was one of the things that mom always thought that was a cute story. I love that. Do you know my other favorite story that you what have? That? When... You guys got to swim with, well, when there was dolphins in there, when you flooded. Um. Well, yeah. So I'll tell that story. Okay. It, so when I was on the USS Denver, I was the damage control assistant. And one of my jobs was the ballasting officer. Mm-hmm. And you would flood the well deck, which is inside of the ship. So it's the center part of the ship. You would purposely flood it so you could launch what's called AVs, which are basically amphibious tanks. Right. But you'd also launch other watercraft, but you'd have to have water to launch them. Right. So we'd flood it down to eight feet in some instances. But for like the AVs, you only had to flood six inches. That's it. Because they were launching. Yeah. You, okay. You, you'd have a, a foot to two feet them coming in. But when you launch, because they have to build up speed to go off the back of the ship. Uh-huh. Well, anyway, we were bringing the AVs back in. So you had maybe two feet in there. Well, we start bringing the water up. You know, I'm taking the water out. I'm deballasting what's called deballasting. And all of a sudden, there's like two or three seals in here. Like, <laughs> so they got out in time. You know, it was almost not a, Navy seals, but actual seals. Actual seals, <laughs> not Navy seals that kill people, but regular seals because they they had followed the AVs in. Yeah. Curious animals, but that was cute. I Some heard they're them. sweet animals. They can be. They can be otherwise too. Yeah. They're like true. any animal. They can. They're an animal. And they're wild. That's true. Okay. All right. So you have one more story, Dad. Yeah. I have a lot of stories, but we'll go with this. <laughs> okay. Mom wanted, wanted me to mention, so your grandpa, Grandpa Shane. Okay. And Danny Knight, who lives up in South Carolina. Right. 
So Grandpa Shane had the only charter boat on the island up in Adak when mm -hmm. I was a kid. So they used to shoot seal for the state because, you know, they were overpopulated. Oh, okay. And they would, they would keep the hides, but they turn the seal and get money like five or ten bucks per whatever seal. Wait, because they would keep the hides or no? They would keep the hides, but they would turn in the seal. Oh, okay. Yeah. So because they were overpopulating and eating fish and stuff oh, like that. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So they ended up going to Mount Sitka. Not Sitka, but Mount Sitka, which was an island about 30 miles away. Okay. Big storm, whatever else. Well, there was a cabin up there. Literally, the base thought they had died. They couldn't find them. Big snowstorm. They thought they were lost at sea. Oh, no. So for like 15, 20 days, they were making out the paperwork. 15, together. 20 days? Yeah. They were stuck on this island three weeks, basically. Oh, my gosh. But Danny and Dad, you know, Grandpa, made it through, made it back. And they're like, we thought you were dead, you know. And Wait, I, were you by yourself this whole time? No, it was with my mom. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, this is when they were still married. Right. Okay, okay. Yeah, we're up in ADAC. So, okay. I mean, I was like an eight-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Which reminds me, Grandpa Shane was horrible. We had this, I'm, I'm changing stories. We had this little uh, chimney that was fake. Right. And I kept talking about Santa Claus. And he told me, you talk about effing Santa Claus one more time, I'm going to shoot him. And then you know what, when <gasps> he comes down the chimney. No. Oh, yeah. He was horrible. That's so stinky. Wait, but back to this, this story. Anyway, so they were stuck on the island. Okay. But the storm passed. They made it back. They weren't dead. So what's funny, he's sitting in the bathtub. You know, he smelled like horrible. seal, horrible, because they were over there hunting caribou. You know there's two caribou per every person in Alaska? Oh, I believe that. Yeah. Oh, I believe that. So So they're hunting caribou too? Yeah. That, they could legally do that. They, yeah. But they, they had a lot of caribou. They were going to get their fill, but the storm got them stuck. So they lived on caribou and water, whatever else, on the island for, you know, almost three weeks. That is so cool. Okay. So they come back. Now he, you know, of course he smells horrible. He's in the bathtub taking a bath, and we had our cat. Uh huh. And our cat's like comes in and you know, that smell. The smell. Oh yeah, hissing because didn't recognize Grandpa's smell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and probably like, mmm, I bet he's tasty because he smelled stinky, and cats love that. Well, yeah, and it was like, but the cat was having none of it. He was really upset. So. Oh my gosh. Oh, and tell about the little foxhole he used to hide in. So, up in Adak, yeah, there were, it was, if I remember right, the story, the Japanese had invaded up there. Oh, really? And so there was these little foxholes out there in the tundra. And we would go out there and we'd light little fires, because they were concrete, Yeah, these little foxholes. And you got to remember, like, the high temperature in the summer would maybe be 52, 53. Oh, I remember from when mom, grandma, and grandpa and I all went up. I was like, yeah. it's 59. Well, try being out on an island 600 miles, yeah. you know, from the coast of Siberia. Yeah. So it was horribly cold even in the summer. Yeah. The winter, it was just, they called ADAC the birthplace of the winds. They'd have <laughs> normal winds in the winter would be up to 70 miles an hour. And how cold was the cold in the winter? Also, push your mic a little. Just Sorry, so, push you know, my mic closer. It doesn't have to be that close. No, no, <laughs> I got you. Um, so how cold would it get in the winter? Oh, I, 20 below. Yeah. Well, high wind too, so it just it would. So just, then the feels like temperature would be like. Yeah, we didn't we didn't go out that much in the in the winter. It was mostly indoor time. Crazy. And what's crazy is, the rats had to live too. So you'd get rats the size of big bananas, 
Yeah, we'd kill them in the house. What? Yeah, because where do you think rats are going to go? They're cold, too. They're going to go in these houses. Yeah. And these houses were not well built. They were basically shipped up there. Was it naval housing? Yeah. Okay. But they looked like basically big, big trailers. So when Grandpa was... um, was missing for those 25, 30 days. Did Grandma Betty think he was dead too? Well, yeah, because the Navy's telling him. But, I mean, I can't remember. Yeah. I don't remember being sad, so I'm sure she was pretty sure he was alive. Just knowing who he well, was. I, I think she said he's too ornery to die. So <laughs> Sounds like her. Yeah. but um, Oh, my gosh. Okay, so you said that Mom wanted you to talk about your personal life a little bit. Well. or gr- Is that growing up or what part of well, your Well, that was part life? of growing up. So I also worked on, my dad also owned a charter boat. Mm-hmm. From the time I was 11 to obviously till he passed back in 2000. Yeah. Um, I worked for him off and on for 20 years. It was a hard life. I would play football. We'd get done with the football game on a Friday night. I would drive down to Westport, which is two hour drive. I'd get up four in the morning. So I'd get there at midnight, get up at four. I'd work all weekend, Saturday and Sunday. I'd go back Sunday night, start my week again. Now, that would be halfway through the football season because then it would get too cold. But I would work seven days a week, 14, 15, 18 hours a day in the summer. That's crazy. Every summer. And now you can fillet a, fl- a fillet of fish like nobody's business. Well, I can still fillet a sea bass in under a minute. So That is crazy, Dad. Yeah. Well, you do it enough, you're going to get faster. So. That's true. Dad, are you, were you like a strawberry blonde before you went all salt and pepper? Uh, a little bit. Yeah? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I think sun has a lot to do with it, so. I understand. Um, Mom cracks me. She says, walking in the snow to work. I did do that a few times because. What? Well, when I was married to my ex, uh-huh. we only had one car. So oh. she would, I, of course, I'd let her drive and I'd had to walk to the sporting goods place I, I, I uh, worked at, which was about two miles away. Wait. In Spokane. Is this before you were in the military? Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. So why didn't she drive you to it? She was already at work. Oh. Yeah, we worked different well, hours. Well, because you were young, right? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that big. I didn't even think about it. I just put dress warm as I could and walked. And- also, when you walk fast enough in the snow, you do get warm. Right. Casey and I, when we were in Montana, uh, we hiked a little bit in a mountain. And I only had on a Carhartt, which Carhartt's warm. Carhartt's but, are very warm. But I had only on a Carhartt and one pair of pants and boots. And honestly, we were fine. It was snowing. Yeah. But like because we were like hiking... Right. When you're moving, the problem is if you slow down and the sweat starts to evaporate. And get cold. You get cold. Ooh, yeah. Or if you, like, haven't eaten enough, then you get cold, too. Well, I'm good with that, you know. (laughs) I'm skinny fat, so I'm good with that. (laughs) Dad, you're not skinny fat. I I tell tell, uh, Rob, my buddy, you know, coach, I go, well, if you got to be fat, I might as well be skinny fat. That's right. Good for you. My favorite quote is uh, actually one from Uncle Jason, and he goes, Hey, tan fat looks better than white fat. <laughs> so that's what that's what his his thing is. You always gotta at least if you're you're heavier, you gotta get a tan. Gotta get tan. That's hilarious. Okay, sorry. What else? What else? Did so mom I'm give looking you? at I'm looking at mom's notes. She's probably gonna shoot me after this. Why? So one of the things she wanted to talk about was one of my cruises. So I was a I had not made chief yet. Okay. And we were on deployment in nineteen early mid nineteen ninety six. Okay. And we're on a steamship. That means mm-hmm. it's run by steam power. Right. And we had uh, what's called a cascading engineering casualty. Okay. Our ship went dead basically in the Straits of Hormuz, 
which is between Iran and United Arab Emirates. Uh-huh. It's only a 40-mile gap, and we were stuck there dead in the water. Completely. What they called, yep. And it's August. The temperatures outside are 115, 120 degrees. So in the engine rooms, I one of my jobs was being in charge of the heat stress program. And so you're monitoring th- thermometers. They go down to 180 degrees. They were blowing out the bottom. On the ship? Yeah, they were. Like at 180 in, on the interior. Degrees, the, the mercury was blowing at, you know, it was, or going up. They were blowing out the top. Sorry. Yeah. They were blowing out the top. And we were having to do 15-minute shifts, trying to get the engines back up. We had one boiler stoking. We got the boiler back up, got enough power or enough steam that we could get the one of the turbines going. Our emergency diesel wouldn't roll over. It was crazy. So we called it Black Saturday. Mm-hmm. We literally had eight guys that could never go down in an engine room again because they had um, heat stroke. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And, he, and heat stroke's serious. I mean, you yeah. literally you can't go into temperatures over 80 degrees at that point. That's insane. Yeah. So a lot of people were laying out on deck. Nobody died, which was huge. Yeah. I mean, but, it's really possible at 180 degrees. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It was it was horrible. Horrible. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, go go sit in the go sit in the sauna and then try to do movements and all this other stuff. No, that's how I get in the heat. Anyway, I I don't do well in heat. I yeah. try my best, but like I get really lightheaded really easily. Sure. Um, I was going to ask you, is there anything that you can tell us now that you're out of the military and like time has passed that you couldn't tell us when you were in the military? Like anything interesting? Not that I can think of off the top of my head. If if you'd have told me the first program, I would have had time to think. I'm so no. sorry. No, I it's just okay. thought of the I question. Just, I just, there's, there are certain things that you just never talk about. Not um, not because you can't, or can't, but because like it's just, just unpleasant. So I, well, I will tell you with Grandpa Shane. Okay. So he caught malaria over in the islands in the Western Pacific. Okay. Um, and I never knew he had malaria. Yeah. So one night, you know, after we're working on the charter boat, Where's, where's dad at? And he's in his bed, literally freezing. But I notice his sheets are sweaty or, you know, basically soaked. Yeah. Okay. So he goes, I've never told you I've had, I have malaria and it's like 24 hours. It goes through a 24 hour cycle. So I got him new sheets, you know, changed them out, got him some fresh. So when he's really run down, that's when he would get right. it. Right. We were working a lot of hours and, um, yeah, got malaria, but he had done two tours in Nam. He never wanted to talk about Nam. Oh, I bet. His job was to drive small boat up the the, the Nang. So he would take SEALs and those guys up the Nang and and drop them off. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Most Vietnam vets don't really want to talk about Vietnam. It was most vets feel like they were abandoned during that time. Right. Well, and like people really, I mean, they weren't. People weren't even kind when they came back. No, they were, you know, baby killers, all this different stuff. And, like, they saw so many of their friends die. Like, right, right. And it was, so they said a first lieutenant in the Army, their length of time that they were alive upon landing in a zone, a landing zone, basically where fighting was going on, was less than a minute for a long time. That is horrible. So, and I might be, I'm not lying about it. That's just what I heard. Yeah. But it's crazy. It's, they were shunned. Yeah. Um, well, and Grandpa Shane, didn't he get shot down? 
And well, that was that was a different time. Or was that in the Korean War? What? No, it was just I think between wars. Okay. And basically, they were in the water for four or five hours, but he got picked up, which yeah. was good. You know, they got saved. It's not that unusual for those guys. Yeah. You know, um, one of the things I always see these little memes. Yeah, that little old guy that's barely walking around was a bigger bad, bad A than you could ever think about being exactly. back in his day. Oh, no, absolutely. Like, so. those were some manly men. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's just crazy. Oh, I have a story that I thought of that I think it'd sure. be cool to um, tell people. What about the, like, the biggest drug bust of, um, was that this? Was on the so I, I can't remember the amount because it's it's been a lot of years. But we did, so we did a deployment down off of Colombia, Ecuador. So just so you all know, U.S. Armed Services only and other navies like Panama, Costa Rica, we only get about twenty percent of the drugs. Yeah, uh, Coast Guard works hand in hand with the Navy. We had a, a Coast Guard law enforcement detachment that was with us. And those guys, they have a tough job. They wouldn't have any name tags on their coveralls. And how the cartel works it is they have one guy that's usually a small minion of the cartel, and the rest of them are working under basically their families being held hostage. And if they don't do what the cartel tells them, they kill the, they kill the family. And they actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. And so one of the, the crazy things... So we would chase these boats. Well, the cartel gets smart. They know the law of the sea, which is if a boat goes down, let's say it has troubles, it turns in from, from a law enforcement situation to a rescue situation. Huh. So they used to have PVC pipes. They would break the pipes, which would flood the compartment, which now we had to go over and rescue them. Versus? Versus get the drugs and arrest them. Yeah. So it was just crazy, some of the stuff. But we they were never let inside the skin of the ship. We had an area on top of the, the ship where we, they, had, they had a toilet, a detainment area, and they were taken and turned over to either the Panamanians or the Costa Ricans or the Guatemalan, you know, police, police force. Right. And it was just what I want to say about the Coast Guard guys. A lot of those guys, the cartel guys would identify them, mm-hmm. and they're— their families and them would be identified and they'd have to change names like part of the witness protection program. Yeah. It's crazy. It is. But it wasn't it one of the big or the biggest drug drug yeah, bust after that we did. time. So so the cartel got real smart and learned how to put cocaine in fuel. What? Yeah. So so you could get so you know the fuel would be dehydrated or dried out and they'd have the cocaine. Oh my gosh! Yes, but they had a way, coach kind of had a way to test it. It was just crazy. That is insane, but yeah. So you ended up having though, like the ship you were on, it was the biggest drug bust at the time. Like at the time, yeah. I think that it just got surpassed actually, like a year and a half or two years ago. Yeah, it, but the thing is, you only get so much. Yeah. Um, we used to have uh, briefings at night, and it was funny. And it was like this one episode. And I call it an episode because it was like watching Miami Vice. Right. Because it had the Coast Guard Law Enforcement Detachment filming this guy. He's got his pants hanging halfway down his... His us. Yeah, took us. He's on top of all these bales of cocaine, you know, powerboat. Helicopters chasing him. Got yeah. the 50 cal locked on him. They hit the shore at full speed. That powerboat hits it. 
All the dudes go flying off. They roll and run into the jungle. Are you serious? <laughs> it was crazy. And what, that was a real video. It was a real video. It was happened that day. That is insane. <laughs> it was like watching Miami Vice an episode. It was, I I'm just sitting there going, I can't believe I'm watching this. I got to respect their ingenuity. <laughs> like, that's insane. And I guess the uh, Costa Rican guys caught him later that night because um, obviously it does cool down at night and they used heat imaging yeah, to find him. That's so crazy. That so. is insane. Well, we are at 56 minutes, Dad. All right. <laughs> you Good. made it. I made it. Yay. I'm so proud. Thank you so much for coming. You're, today. you're welcome. Everyone. I hope I didn't, you guys, I hope you didn't get too bored. I know I'm a lot. I was entertained, <laughs> fully. I thought it was fantastic. All right. All right. All right. No. I don't know what that was. I don't know what that was either. Anyway, all right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. It was lovely. Um, I hope that you'll join me and whoever I have on next week. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. All right, bye, y'all. <laughs>